0: NFL week two is upon us week one is behind us we had Tyreek Hill absolutely destroy the slate we're coming off of a crazy Monday night football ending uh, with a undrafted rookie free agent just walking it off for the Jets that is the craziness of the NFL Josh Allen had three to three interceptions one fumble and now we are going to talk about some week two DFS and with that I am Hilo and this is first mover My guest for this evening is none other than Trevor Tipton. You know him from Player Profiler Pods. You know him from Bet Openly. Trevor, how are we doing tonight, man? Uh, I am
1: uh, – I'm still trying to grasp what I just watched in New York for two straight days. Uh,
0: yes. That was
1: uh, that was just a wild ending to walk that off that way. Uh, I, I was texting Mark during the show. We had a, a – one of our bets tonight was on uh, – Cook over rushing yards. He his prop is 43 and a half. He had 39 at halftime, and we had to sweat yeah. it into overtime to get it. So <laughs> that was just a wild way. I got super weird on the showdown tonight. Um, I yeah. love just getting like I left like forty seven hundred dollars on the table. And if I would have ran digs at captain instead, I, I would have been like I, I would have made some real money tonight. But uh, I just you gotta get weird on these showdowns and uh, I don't want to split it four thousand ways. I want to have some weird yeah. lineup that takes, right.
0: It was funny too. We were talking. Uh, we were talking offline that the this was a, such a been a, such a weird showdown uh, year so far. We've had we're into week one. We've already had a, a captain optimal defense, and it was looking like we were going to have the old back, back door. A backup quarterback trick here tonight, but of course it was Zach Wilson. And he didn't uh, matter at all. But um, yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy week one. It's looking like it's setting up for a crazy uh, year of NFL football, and that's going to lead us right into what we're going to talk about today, which is the pricing release for week two. Before we get into that, though, you were mentioning some prop betting, and I know you've got a show with us at Player Profiler as well. But talk to me a little bit about Bet Openly, real quick.
1: Yeah, so Bet Openly here's the some of my things that i love about it one we're legal in every almost every state there's a few states it's not like nevada nothing's legal there unless you're a big giant casino and give them lots of money um but states like florida states like texas where you don't have legal technical legal books yet because this is peer-to-peer betting so you're not betting against a book, you're betting against another degenerate. So one of the things I love is when I lose, at least I know my money goes to somebody <laughs> else on the other side and it's not going to some big book. One of the other things I really love is it's better lines, better odds, and it's 1% juice. So what does that mean for somebody that's just listening? What a book's trying to do on average is split it. They want to get the line right. They want to take actions on both sides and take 10% you know, percent hold off of that. Uh, Bet Openly eliminates eliminates that. So instead of paying minus 110 tonight or minus like 127 for the bills, Bet Openly had their money line at minus 115. And if you would have bet that, you would have gotten – you would have won and you would have only paid 1% out of that. So the upside there for me is – all the options it has. We also have DFS plays now. So those are house buy bet openly. It's better line, better odds. A lot of times where let's just say a three where you got to on, on an average site. Now you have to spend, a, you know, a hundred dollars, you know, and you win six back on bet openly. You're generally going to win 30 to 50% more back. So a hundred dollar bet you're going to win you know, 700 to 900 back on that exact same player props. So that's something I'm really excited about. And I'm super excited about our partnership with player profiler.
0: So I didn't know that you're, you're talking about um, like parlay type uh, player props, right?
1: Yeah. So that's new. Uh, It just got launched at the end of baseball season and we have a whole uh, competitor now. So it's better. Same thing. It's better lines. It's better odds. uh, And it's 50% less juice than you're paying at any other one that exists on earth today.
0: That's awesome, man. If you're not going to listen to Trevor, if you're not going to listen to me about it, (laughs) let's hear from the Podfather about it real quick. Shall we?
2: Hey, so many asked me what's wrong with sports books. Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much. Until BetOpenly came along. BetOpenly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer-to-peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With Code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on BetOpenly and It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. And now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out.
0: And we're back, baby. Let's talk about some DFS, shall we, Trevor? Yeah, let's
1: get into it. Let's uh let's get through this. i this is the first time Mark and I are both looking at pricing for this week. So let's uh yes. let's dive into it.
0: I wanted to do that. That's kind of interesting that it worked out that way. I like doing these, like you you see the viewers are seeing our first reactions, and I like it that way because you kind of get um a a sense of how we're reacting to seeing things for the first time. And there's a lot of stuff that kind of comes with that, and I think that's one of the cool things about this show is we're able to kind of take those initial reactions. Develop them over the rest of the week, obviously, and then hit them hard once we start getting all the information in uh, You know, late week, Friday, Saturday, early Sunday type. So it's really cool to get this kind of first sneak peek look at um, player rosters, player like the game environments, all the things that we're kind of thinking about late week, uh, getting that first look. So let's talk about some game environments and we'll kind of do that through this discussion of the quarterback position. What kind of jumps out at you from, uh, this first initial screenshot here, which is kind of the top half of player pricing at the position.
1: Trevor Lawrence is going to be massively owed versus the Kansas city chiefs at $6,700. Like, uh, I, I see a lot of, a lot of ownership coming that way, um, at his price, right? Patty's 8,300. You go right in and you see, you know, Lawrence right there. Um, with a matchup that you know has uh one i think it's going to have the highest total on the slate i was just looking at that yeah um yep it's going to have the highest total on the slate as of right now for that game it's over 51 and a half it's actually moved up a little bit so and there's a lot of 40 point games on this slate uh a lot so i think that's going to be uh that's going to be an interesting spot the other one is is Uh, Allen's pricing after that performance because they had already said it um, versus the Raiders. I think we might see a lot of people not go to Allen and pay up. And this might be a spot to really take advantage of, of Allen, you know, come back, bounce back to get the Raiders. And um, he might, I I would be surprised after that performance, if he gets a ton of ownership this coming week.
0: Yeah. And that's an interesting, you mentioned a couple of interesting things there. The first of which I think is this idea that you, or, the fact that you mentioned that we have a ton of low 40s game totals in week one. Um, This past week um, at one week season, we talked a lot about the fact that scoring was down last year pretty significantly. If you look at 2022, which was the COVID season, that was the most recent spike year in scoring over the previous 10 seasons. And on average, each team managed 2.88 offensive touchdowns per game. That trickled down all the way to 2022 last year, down to just 2.43 offensive touchdowns per team per game. So that's a fairly significant. We're talking about almost a full or almost a half of a touchdown per game per team less was scored last year when compared to 2022. So theoretically, we supposed over at one week season, again, I'll drop that name one more time, that that makes finding game environments and that game environment that could explode that much more important. And we've always been one to attack game environments, but now we're looking at like the potential for extreme overstacks. Um, and we, we've kind of seen this from big name players in the DFS scene over the previous couple of years. Uh, primarily Osmo. He kind of, he, he, get, he, kind, he almost makes his brand through this like overstack mentality. And he, it seems to, he hits like a milli every single year doing this, this kind of technique. And what do you make of it? Is that like kind of the right thought process? Are we on the right path here? Um, what do you make of the the fact that scoring is down in the league um, over the previous couple of years and how we kind of transform that into our DFS process?
1: I think it opens up the door to a lot of people that are hand building more than it had before um, I think no. it allows you to get unique and, um, you know, I'm a, I'm more of a single entry three max player, uh, is what I prefer. So what I've noticed is, um, I've done well on those. Like tonight, let's talk about the showdown. I ran a five, one bill stack. Um, yeah. that was, you know, I looked at it. I actually went double running back and, uh, did some defense with kickers. Cause it was just. I, I thought the weather it'd be a low scoring game because that to me was everybody was just Buffalo 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 this is going to be a shootout Garrett Wilson, right? Like so I want to zig when they zag. Um, it's it's interesting you bring that up because I've really I really noticed it this week. Like I was going through lineups, you know, sitting there watching the game. So I'll start going and looking. Okay, what's this guy doing? What's this guy doing? What's this guy doing? And I the overstack uh, seems to be there. Um, yeah. And I think down to roster construction again being so important whether you're playing season long or dfs that really understanding roster construction uh probably matters more now than it did in any recent time in dfs
0: yeah so super interesting obviously mm-hmm. that's all from the theoretical realm um but it's it's an interesting observation and obviously when we're talking about game theory I'm I'm the game theory guy right Uh, When we're talking about game theory, obviously a massive piece of our decision-making puzzle is our observations of the field, because now we can introduce those exploitative tendencies to take advantage of field tendencies. A lot of big words. That just means basically we're looking to, as you so eloquently put it earlier, kind of zig when the field zags, right? We don't want to be caught up in similar roster constructions as the field, because now we are fighting against a larger portion of the field on our way to first place. And that's really all that matters is we want to try and get to first place, right? Uh, So with that discussion kind of behind us, uh, what do you think about this guy right here? Mr. Anthony Richardson, he is priced up uh, 900 more than he was in week one, which this is probably where his price should have started the season. Um, He was a player of mine that I played in week one. uh, But now that he has that nasty red Q next to his name, and he's been priced up 900, which is a fairly significant price movement considering where he was. What do you think his ownership is going to be like this week in what could be a more neutral matchup here against Houston? I think the public
1: in general is going to see Houston think bad, think Richardson had a great game. He can run on them um, even at that 6,300. I think there's a chance he goes up. Uh, I'm really interested in uh, you skipped over, but I'm interested in the guy that was right below him. So, okay. uh, which was which was Mr. Goff. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where that goes um, and where his ownership lands in that game. So that's you know because I, why I bring it up is that's a team you can now overstack, right? If you start talking yeah. about right, how do you get access to them? Goff, laporta amon and run maybe both running backs that's you know if you want to start about and i brought that up because they're they're a good team to name for overstacking in my opinion but that's a that's a way to get there but i uh i think richardson's going to end up being a lot higher owned than he probably should be this week
0: Yeah, and we look at uh, what this game (laughs) did to us last year. Uh, In week four, it was the game that you had to have, obviously, over 90 points combined. um, This was the shootout of the season last year between these two teams. But uh, also in that same vein, on the other side of that game, both offensive tackles for the Seattle Seahawks uh, got injured and are, I would say, highly questionable to play in week two considering who they're going out and looking for in free agency uh, hint, hint 41 year old offensive tackles. Uh, so yeah, what do you make of the opposite side of that game? If we're looking to kind of overstack slash game stack, this environment, what do you make of Seattle coming off a poor performance down to offensive tackles? Uh, how do you think they're looking to attack this spot?
1: I think Lockett's health is going to matter a lot in this game. Um, you well, saw I think that he's ball. already,
0: he's already cleared. I think.
1: Did he clear already? Okay, I hadn't yeah. seen I hadn't seen an update. But you saw on that Rams game, if you watch it and go back and watch the tape, that offense dramatically changed the second he wasn't in there anymore.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so that was a big that was a big one for me. I think the public because of and like I said, why I brought that one up again, I think the public because of that game is going to think about last year and go back to it. Um, and I think we could see the opposite there this week. I think we could see a grind out, you know, tight scoring, um, little more defensive battle in that game. Detroit's defense has definitely improved. So I'm interested to see where that goes. And it'll be, it'll be interesting for me how they can come back. Now, if that game's low ownership, I, I, it's going to attract me to that environment, Um, for me, I'm really, I'm always staring at ownership. I want to, again, I want to get guys that are much less lower owned than the field is.
0: Yeah, for sure. And what's interesting to me about Seattle's defense is they're never really one to alter their game plan per for the opponent, right? They're typically going to run the same defense. And what bit them last year is they didn't have the athletic linebackers to play that Tampa 2 with the linebackers dropping in coverage over the slot. Um, now they've got Bobby Wagner back. They've got a bunch of new bodies there in the linebacking core um, where they could potentially, you know, handle a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, look, you look at Seattle's performance on defense last year, they had like, they were the, the best team, I think, against perimeter wide receivers over the entire season. Uh, they, they gave up like, under two, it was like two or three touchdowns to perimeter wide receivers the entire year. And the first one came in like week 12. <laughs> it was insane. Like you, it, Seattle was the team that you did not want to look at to attack it with perimeter wide receivers. So that's an interesting piece of this puzzle, I think, as far as how we think Detroit is really going to be approaching this game because they don't have any freaking perimeter wide receivers. So that's an interesting, I think, chess match that we're going to see in this one. Is how does Seattle's defense now operate with athletic linebackers that are football smart and athletic uh, when they have kind of Amon Ross streaking to that layer between the linebackers and the safeties? Uh, anything, any thoughts on how that, you know, Seattle's defense is gonna react to the situation?
1: I, I, that's what I said. I could see this going low scoring too. Uh, yeah. and I can see uh, it's. I, I really could see that it, you broke it down really well. I can't break it down any better than you gave it. And there, you saw Detroit even in that win. Detroit missed Jamison. They need that spacer yes. outside. Um, I think they need to use Gibbs. Uh, you know, get Gibbs outside more as fast as that guy's electric. And I think they need to get him outside and get him in the receiver more until they get Jamison back. Uh, for that reason. And at the same time, you saw what the Rams just did when they put Puka in that, you know, Cooper Cup rule. So at the same time, I could see, you know, Amon having a big game, but it not being a high scoring game.
0: What's interesting to me, too, from the fact that we saw how kind of one dimensional Detroit's offense was in the absence of JMO is they have a guy on their roster that is capable of that. They didn't freaking play him. The Khalif yeah, Raymond ran a-
1: Josh Reynolds instead.
0: Yeah, dude. Khalif Raymond ran a 4 3 240 coming out in 2022. Like, this is the guy that you need playing instead of Marvin Jones, uh, the dinosaur, instead of uh, Josh Reynolds. You need Khalif Raymond on the field. So it seems like they're just bent on just keeping him in the kick returner duties, but it's like you have what you need who's sitting there and you're just not playing him so that would be an interesting like i feel like detroit needs khalif raymond on the field to open things up a little bit underneath for amin raw for um gibbs for all these guys for laporta all these guys who are kind of working in the middle of the field uh, so that was just interesting to me they have it and they're not using it <laughs> i don't know man
1: said a lot of nfl teams this
0: week <laughs> yes 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 indeed Let's move over to running back. We talked about a couple of game environments. I don't want to take this too long, but running back. I'll give you my thoughts first, and with just looking at these player pricings, this middle range in here with your workhorsey or used to be. Well, right, let's talk about that real quick. Derrick Henry getting outsnapped by Tajay Spears. Um, we know that that like obviously Derrick Henry has. Has had paths to thirty plus touches in competitive game environments. Then they get a competitive game environment where it's a sixteen to fifteen final, and Derrick Henry is not uh, is being out snapped and out touched. Uh, well, not out touched. So he was out snapped, but Tajay Spears did not see the same um, touch per snap rate as Derrick Henry did. But is that a concern to you? Are you interested? I mean, we got King Henry at seven point four here. Are you at all interested in that? In what is a much softer matchup on the ground than New Orleans? I, that's that one's for he's for sure interesting to me
1: because of that. I think the field could overreact yeah. to how they use Tajay. Um, just because that's what the field does. They the most people overreact to these things, and so he's definitely going to be there. And we know what Ryan Tannehill isn't we saw him again. Like he's a serviceable quarterback at this point, but he has hop and Burks. And then he was targeting hop. Like Burks was open half the game and they weren't throwing mm-hmm. to him. They were throwing to Westbrook. Like I, I just didn't that that game was maddening. If you had any people in it based on, yeah, uh, you know, Tajay, I have a lot of handcuff, but he's on my bench. So like good for best ball, but like he was on my bench there. So I'm, Henry's again, if Henry's a guy, if you get it low ownership, who can rush for 200 yards and two to three touchdowns on a slate, Henry's one of those few guys. And if you start getting him at five, six, seven percent like he gets real sexy real fast.
0: Yeah. Like I, like we alluded to a couple of times here, Henry is the type of guy who has a path always to 30 plus touches at the running back position. And if this is a guy who we're going to see, price down at 7.4. I mean, let's look at his, his pricing last season. Was he ever 7.4 one game below eight K two games below eight K the entire season and seven seven
1: routes and got three targets.
0: Yeah. He put up, what was a 49 yard reception too. Yeah. So yeah. this is a guy that is highly appealing to me at 7.4 against a chargers defense that we know has struggled against the run in the past. Um, and, Yeah, if if his ownership is like you're talking about, even if we hit that like five to seven percent, I'm gonna be highly intrigued. I'm gonna want some of that for sure. What do you think? What do you think about old Josh Jacobs who immediately comes in nine days after not having a contract signed into his holdout and he immediately comes in and completely is the same workhorse dominant type running back? The what I'm concerned about is the workload. He's he had the workload. It was there. So are we going to see you think some box score watchers who look at his box score from week one and kind of pass over this name in this kind of middle of tier? I mean, again, Josh Jacobs is 7.1. That's extremely priced down. If you look at him, well, okay, maybe not. <laughs> but towards the end of the season when he was established. Yeah. In the once they finally, role, like
1: once it caught yeah. up when he was just dominating, it was like, okay, we need to fix his price in here. Um, so Jacobs for me is interesting this week. We just watched what you know Cook and Hall did. Hall's a whole another discussion for me. I think he looked good. I think he's missing a top gear. Um, He, you know, if you look at his run speed, you know, he clocked at twenty one point like three or four something last year. He was running twenty miles an hour today. So he's coming off an ACL. It was insanely impressive. He yeah. did that. They did that against them and. Cook had a bunch of solid carries too, and we know Josh is going to get that. So now, you know, getting into game theory, what if we can – no one's going to pay up for two running backs.
2: Yeah. If,
1: what if we get them at 12%, right? Like that's – for me, that's a – that's when it starts getting really interesting is how do I find low price receivers to allow me to be very unique in the field uh, with another running back that has – one hundred and fifty plus yards and two touchdowns in him any given day.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. The third name that kind of strikes me, uh, and again, well, we'll save the game theoretic discussions about three running back rosters in today's NFL game. First of all, the field is kind of moving away from it. Obviously, with uh, the the NFL as a whole moving away from workhorses, but it's interesting when you look at, and I did a lot of the study for best ball, when you look at the hit rate and uh, Sam Sherman did a lot of study um, and for best ball as well into running back explosive weeks versus wide receiver explosive weeks. And he defined that by, you know, 25 plus fantasy points and half PPR, which is you're approaching 30 in full and the running back hit rate and the wide receiver hit rate was very, very similar with the running backs providing more, mega hit rates, which was your 40 plus fantasy point games than wide receivers last year. So that's interesting in and of itself. But now when you look at the field's tendencies of not of moving away from three running back builds, they start to become a lot more appealing when you're talking about doing things that the field is not providing a clearer path to first place. So with that discussion, another name that kind of immediately jumps off to me is in that first game environment that we talked to in Kenneth Walker. This is a guy who all the concerns about DJ Dallas or um, Zach Charbonnet or whoever the hell is going to be running behind him and pushing Kenneth Walker for touches, Kenneth Walker was the guy in week one. And he's priced at only 5.8. And if this game environment kind of becomes conducive to fantasy production, it, this is a valid area for that fantasy production to flow against a Detroit defense that has been notoriously poor in the trenches. What are your thoughts on old Ken boy here? Uh,
1: I, I think he's, I'm excited for him this week. You know, he had a 67%, um, you know, attempt usage last week. He was in on 65% of the snaps. That's what I want to see out of my bell cow in today's environment. And I, I, my only worry is at his price is he is going to be massively overowned? That's that's my only fear, Um, yeah. Because it it a lot right. Because then because you can start taking an expensive guy, you add him in. Um, his price worries me a little bit. Like I just think if as we start looking, like scroll down a little bit for me. As we start looking, Neither. like and his price range right there.
2: Yep.
1: Um, I I just think the field might flock towards him because again, I try to think like what's the mass is going to do. And they're going to think about that game environment last year. But n- I, again, like you said, not a lot of people are running three running backs, which is an opportunity to get different. I wanted to hear your take. This is the one I wanted to ask you about.
2: Yes. What did
1: you think of Mr. Arthur Smith's usage of his running backs in week one?
0: He's just the, like, Taysom Hill is the player troll to fantasy rosters. Arthur Smith is the coaching troll to fantasy rosters. They have all this, and it's, I I broke this down actually on the NBC end of week pod because I covered that game for NBC this week. And it just seems to me that their defense has been so improved. I mean, they added Jesse Bates on the back end. They added Bud Dupree in the linebacker core. They have all these new names up front, and they legitimately just manhandled the uh, Panthers front five and if that is going to be the case in game environments where they are just winning the trenches on both sides of the ball because we know their offensive line is also um, top 10 in the league in those type of game environments I just think that they're just going to continue this like we're just going to control the ball we're going to grind it out we're going to you know take the sporadic downfield shot to To uh, Kyle Pitts or uh, to like, I just think that they are, they're comfortable when they are able to control the trenches like that. And if that's the case, what kind of gave me the most pause with that backfield situation is that Tyler Al Jair was not just mop up duties. He was mixing in at like a 45, 50% snap rate before they had this game in hand. And that is troublesome. Yes, like it's it's awesome to see Bijan running uh, the most routes out of the two. It's awesome to see him have six targets on what nineteen <laughs> pass attempts from Desmond Ritter. But at the same time, we we were kind of drafting this guy in best ball as if he were the unquestioned kind of lead back, and he was not in week one. Um, that's my take right now. What's what's your how do you, what's your read on this situation?
1: So I got a lot of flack. Um, for my Robinson Tyler takes this year, and here is why I trust Arthur Smith like zero percent. I think is that as far as you can throw him, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm a big guy, and <laughs> Taysom Hill. I think the Taysom Hill analogy is really good. And I, I, you know, I heard some stuff that he was going to get used. I think Bajan is all world talent, yeah. I think he's. And I think he's going to have two to three monster games this year. I think his just talent is just going to overwill a Bruce couple Hall. of these where he right where he breaks yeah where he breaks eighty yards runs, but he doesn't get caught and he scores. I I drafted way more Tyler Algier. I have I I have five percent Bijan. I just yeah. wasn't going there because I didn't trust Arthur Smith and. Mm-hmm. I don't victory lap week one, but you, the thing you said, said it best for me is he was getting used when the game Tyler was still getting used when the game mattered. Yeah. Like that, that really stood out to me. I think they're going to do it. I think he'll run the hot hand. He said it after the game. I don't care about fantasy, you know, Drake London out there running wind sprints. Oh man. Uh, it, yeah. It was, uh, they're going to be, they're going to be hard to play. And I think if you're, if you're going to play him, I think what you're going to do is, overstack this game. I think going to play both their running backs and try to get that total usage when you do.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. The other thing I don't, I, I don't like this game environment at all. I mean, you're looking at green Bay at Atlanta, two of the slowest offenses in the yeah, league. Yeah. As far as <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> clock remaining on snap, <laughs> these guys are both looking to hide their inefficiencies um, and kind of grind out a victory uh, on the backs of that very handy or handily win from green bay in week one i could see the field gaining some interest in this and in this in game environment and if that's the case it's just kind of a full stay away for me at this point oh, i couldn't agree more any other running backs that you kind of have your eye on here
1: uh, as i look through guys? uh up top i mean CMC is going to be $12,000 at the rate he's going.
0: Yeah. The Um, old uh, nod to Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson days.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see Eckler's usage. Uh, You know, he came up today on the, you know, on the report. Um, Josh Kelly got used a ton. Yeah. Uh, That was uh, another one that was really interesting. I, I think Pollard um, could have a solid game. We saw what Cook just did against the Jets. I think, right, I the, the Jets aren't the Giants, so they're going to Dallas, is, I think, should have to play this week, even with no Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, and then the other up top that I think people are going to, like probably f- for me, fade, is just to scroll down there a hair, is I think people are going to go to ETN, and I'm just not as high on ETN this year because I think Jacksonville has a good pass blocking line, but they are suspect at run blocking. So I'm, I'm probably not going to be playing a lot of ETN.
0: Yeah. ETN was a guy that I had in week one because there were three players in week one, and this is less of a recap show, but there were three players in week one that I felt like you had to account for in rosters. It was Justin Jefferson. It was Calvin Ridley and it was Chris Olave. Those three players on a price uh, on a range of outcomes per salary equation, they were head and shoulders above the rest of the field. So there were some rosters where I accounted for Calvin Ridley through Travis Etienne as a if then like if if Calvin Ridley does not put up a a valid um, a GPP worthy range of outcomes production, then it had to come from somewhere because it just, the Jags were in a spot where they were highly unlikely to fully fail. Um, yeah, probably not going there this week against KC, especially with Jones back, uh, signed his deal. He's back for KC, Um, so that'll be an interesting game environment to watch as well. I want to quickly talk about these two guys. These were your, Oh shit. They kind of surprised us. And with, uh, with, um, Austin Eckler's ankle injury, um, think staley said today that he didn't know if he would practice this week um could become an issue i could see and then with kyron williams two touchdown outburst i could see the field being like oh look at this i'm getting two like gpp worthy running backs at only 5k a piece but it's like (laughs) williams is playing san francisco and kelly is playing tennessee the nut two worst (laughs) matchups on the ground in the league any I hope they are massive game. I
1: hope they are massively owned for that very reason.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Side me up. Yep okay, sweet same page. Let's talk about wide receivers real quick. Uh, I'll scroll all the way up. We've got a bunch uh, or actually we, we've got a bunch of top uh, of the top wide receivers in the NFL are not on the slate, which is interesting from the jump. Stephon Diggs is fresh as in everyone's mind coming off a 10 catch 100 yard and one performance on Monday night football in that terrible game. Um Jamar Chase is coming off one of the worst games of his NFL career. Joe Burrow is coming off of the worst game of his NFL career. T Higgins is coming off a goose egg. Um and T Higgins was like watch. top T Higgins was like top 6 in air yards uh, and got goose-egged. Uh, so that was an interesting one. Um now against Baltimore, let's talk about Cincy real quick. Um, is the overstack viable for this? I love.
1: I this is the environment I love to go to. Let's this go. for me is this is this for me is the field's going to overreact, right? T had 140 air yards, eight targets, and had no receptions. Yeah, I, I don't that's know that do. that's ever been done in the <laughs> NFL. I've been trying to find yeah. out because I don't think it's humanly possible. Yeah. so but this is the game we know what Cynthia's offense could do Burrow was hurt during training camp he needed a game to get in this is everybody's gonna think oh this is a tough division match this is a game that i these are the game environments i love to attack the i think the field's going to be off of them and i'm on the opposite side now this is when i love to go grab everybody sign me up give me burrow yeah. give me t um give me as much of that you know game environment as you can and then you know right we saw right dobbins out now so yep. we're going to see justice Hill be able to come in um you know with oh, some ringbacks yeah i mean that's you know Z- you know zay i mean we zay's usage was you know what dreams are made of for us as a yeah. drafters i mean they're i think they're you know andrew's probably back this week
0: coming this, off of the DNP.
1: Yeah, like this is the type of game that the field avoids generally, and I love to attack.
0: This is the one that I now, before looking at player pricing, this was the one that I was most intrigued with pertaining to that opening discussion of potential to overstack a game environment. You could do it both ways, you can go, you could throw a Lamar Jackson double. For very minimal cost, you could throw a Joe Burrow double coming off of that stinker uh, at very minimal ownership. There's a lot of things that you can do in this game. Um, And the fact that J.K. Dobbins is lost for the season, maybe his career, which is terrible, but the fact that he's out and now they have Justice Hill, who is a fairly poor straight line runner with hands, and Gus Edwards, who is like Jamal Williams reincarnate. He is just like a a three-yard grinder. Do we think, and with Todd Monken now at offensive coordinator, do we think that they're going to go to the run game in a, a conference matchup against one of the better teams in the AFC? No, hell no. I think they're going to be chucking the football. And I think Cincinnati is going to be responding. We've seen their offensive tendencies. They're going to be chucking the football as well. So that is exactly the kind of mix that I like in the honeypot for a blow-up type game. Of our- this.
1: Could This could be... I said it here on Monday. This could be an Irv Smith breakout week.
0: Oh, spicy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you just got Baltimore right now, but right. We add Irvin at his price. It's, you know, when you start talking about overstacking a game, those are the plays that at what his ownership is most likely going to be. He's the, t- he has the skill set to break the slate. Yeah. Like, that that's the, you know, how do you get leverage on the field? You're, you're, you know, you start overstacking that game and you start looking like, Oh, there's, there's some really interesting options right there. And how do I get different? Right? Like I could see going the other way too. If you love, say you love Baltimore in this game, I love going there. And then if you want to get really weird in like a GPP, like we're talking the Millie and you want to get weird go double tight end. Like I know it's not recommended, Ew, bleh, bleh, right? Bleh. Right. like <laughs> Right. But if you want to get like wild and weird, those are two tight ends that could put up, you know, 25 points and you're going to have an ownership that no one has. If I'm building yeah. 150 lineups, I don't mind making one or two that are just obnoxiously ugly that way.
0: Yeah. I was just playing around with, uh, with <laughs> in the background with the player pricing. It's difficult to get some of those mid-range running backs that we talked about with this like game overstack. But I think you can do some interesting things. Um, one of them, you can save a couple of bucks here, go Joe Burrow on this side instead. But there's a lot of interesting things that I think, and I, I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of get the sinking suspicion that Mark Andrews might go a little bit overlooked here, coming uh, especially considering Isaiah likely had one catch uh, in his stead last week. Do you think Andrews is going to be missed by the field? Is that possible? Can that happen? I don't know, man. I mean, it, I think so. The other one that's,
1: that could be sneaky in this game is th- they, who did Baltimore sign, or they didn't sign. I think they act, I think they actually activated him from practice spot Melvin Gordon.
0: Ew, like, yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So we just talked about, we know what justice Hill isn't. We know what Gus Edwards isn't again. How do you differentiate a guy that could come in and is going to be dirty? What's he for? How much is he? 4,400? Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, now that starts right. That gives you a player in that game. That's going to open some doors. And you know, if you want to overstack that game, that's uh for me, that that's ugly enough and uncomfortable enough that I might play it.
0: That is that is right up your alley, dude. Knowing you for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like. It- I, hey, it's it served me well. Like, I like doing weird stuff that, yeah, like just get you out of the box. And people are like, "Why'd you do that?" Because, because you say it's too gross to play, and I'm not trying to play to get cash. I'm trying to win.
0: You're talking to the guy who ran Baker Doubles this week, so yeah, I don't think it takes a lot to gross me out, man.
1: Um, the, the other one I want to talk about that we didn't really get to is, and and at their pricing, I, now I'm going to go over and look and see where he is, is, you know, talking about, you know, stacking a game is the San Francisco game. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we saw what IUK is and here's why I bring them up. They're a team that in any given week, one week, it could be Debo one week. it could be IUK. One week, it could be Kittle. One week, it could be CMC. Usually, it's going to be two of those guys a week. And to me, they're the opposite of, like, a QB that you – like, they're the opposite of Patrick Mahomes when Kelsey isn't there. Just take Mahomes. Don't play any of others pass catchers because you never know who's going to get the ball. Versus this is play everybody and – right? And then Brock's probably still going to be super cheap this week. Oh, yeah, look at his price, right? So Brock's going to be super cheap um, in a game on which we know what San Francisco can do against the Rams. You mm-hmm. you know, you, And then you start looking, where did now, where'd Puka come back at in this? Uh, did they jack his price up? Because he's going to get used until Cooper's back.
0: Yeah, 49.
1: That, yeah. yeah, I don't hate that pricing for all that. Um, you got to get cheap with your last two players, but... Um, I, I think there's some uniqueness if you want to start talking about a, you know, a game stack environment.
0: Yeah. That's super interesting too. And I mean, yeah, everybody, but CMC on San Francisco is priced below six K. Uh, you don't see that a lot on an offense that powerful. And then Puka as a, as a nice bring back at only 4.9. Uh, have you lost all faith in Van Jefferson at this point?
1: Uh, I, I overdrafted Puka. I had, I have literal zero Van Jefferson zero um i didn't trust him um i liked uh i'll take atwell over van uh you know we knew higby is going to be who higby is right he was you know the safety blanket there um and i just we know who van isn't he's and a lot of talent that i don't think is ever really going to deliver
0: that's fair he's uh he's valuable to this offense for what he does he's able to manipulate a safety he's able to go deep he's able to uh keep a defense honest from cover two but not much else and he'll have he'll have a sporadic uh blow up game off a deep reception but against san francisco although they did kind of struggle against deep passing last year uh interesting interesting Uh, i'm with you though i think. 2-2 Atwell with the speed, Puka with the expected volume. I think those are probably better plays on paper if you're attacking this game environment. Um, And if you're looking to get weird, it's not going to take a lot if you're attacking this game environment. So you can go rather chalky behind it. Um, Let's talk about tight ends real quick um, and then we'll get out of here Try and keep it to an hour. But uh, we might maybe potentially have Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews or we could not and just be crying again in our best ball dreams. Um (laughs) Anything, I mean, we have three, we have three of the top, I guess, actually, George Kittle is there too. We have four of the top five tight ends in the NFL on the slate, um, only missing TJ Hawkinson who plays on Thursday. So how do you think that affects the kind of dynamics of the slate now that we potentially could have options uh, amongst the elite here?
1: I am skimmy all the Darren Waller.
0: If okay.
1: I think the field's going to overreact to Dallas spanking them and using yeah, that line like here. a, yeah, like the, you know they Dallas's front used that offensive line like a turnstile at Disneyland on a busy weekend. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was just as fast as they could get through the line. Arizona is not that. Um, yeah. I, I think this is another game environment that really c- could get a lot of overreaction. And we know where the ball is going. It's going to Waller, Saquon, Jones can run. Um, this is, I, I love Waller in this spot. Um, I, same if Andrews is back, I'm playing him. If Kelsey is back, I, somebody's got to catch the ball. You know, we, you yeah. know, I, I, right? Like, um, <laughs> we saw what happened in Kansas City. Um, oh, speaking of Mr. Targets, if you're watching this, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Speaking of targets, Mr. Zach Ertz. Um, yeah.
0: The
1: Ten problem is they don't have anybody to throw them a ball.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I thought that coming into this game with Joshua game manager jobs at quarterback, I thought that the tight ends would be interesting. I didn't have the balls to play either of them. Obviously, Zach Ertz, but what, 30, two-year-old tight end coming off a of multiple ligament damage in the knee i was not going there uh, is that something that you might be interested in against the wink martin that, giant that might
1: that might be my line is as yeah. gross as i'm willing to get uh <laughs> i i'm if i'm going tight end in that game it's just waller for me i i'm all in on waller i think when the season's all said and done i think waller has you know top five fantasy tight end upside. I think he's going to have some monster weeks and I want to be, I want to be on him when they hit it's uh, for me, it's like uh, fields last season. We kept going back to the well, knowing like, Hey, like when he hits, we're going to break slates and, you know, credit to jam to get me to, you know, uh, follow that. And I just kept going there. And then when he did, it was a monster. I think Waller and DJ and Saquon are in that. Now, Everybody loves Saquon, but I again overstacking play in that environment. And we kind of saw like I don't know how we don't know what the Giants defense really is yet because yeah. I just don't know anything from that game. I can't really judge that game because that opening drive, the Giants look good. I think if they score on that first drive, maybe it's a different game. Um yeah. I, not really sure on where that went. Um, but tight end will be interesting cheap tight end um you know laporte is 39 uh i'm gonna love kincaid again at 3300 yeah um, there's two
0: i'll bring it up the two that i have listed right here
1: yep yeah as soon as i saw i, I say i'm a big kincaid guy they used him um how i wanted tonight while well, alan yeah. had a bad game i he had the usage i wanted um and he was you know, all over the formation
0: there. yeah
1: yeah they they're going to make him their wide – I think by the end of the season, he's a wide re- receiver too. One of my bold takes and one of my my big offensive player, the rookie of the year bets, is on him. I think once he gets going and he gets comfortable, you saw – I mean, they were using Knox out there too, but I just – I think he's yeah. going to get a ton of targets in that offense. And uh, same Musgrave, uh, you know, we saw what Love did um, going over the middle against Atlanta. I, I like those guys there.
0: Yeah, I think Musgrave is interesting as well because um, we're probably going to get this like catch-two pulling uh, between the box score watchers who saw that he didn't put up yardage and the other side of the best ball crowd who saw his ADP take that meteoric rise. Um, so it's going to be an interesting situation. I think those both of those guys are probably going to come down to ownership for me, um, but I think both of them are... I'm probably not going to the Green Bay-Atlanta game environment. I'm probably might be interested in a buffalo overstack, but um these are two guys that i think can play a valid one-off role kind of for us this coming especially
1: week. at that price it's a great price for them
0: yeah yeah for sure any other tight ends that you kind of see in this list here that you like pay down we'll say now donald um, Parham scored a touchdown in, in any interested there
1: uh i'm gonna go back to let's keep scrolling out i mean Ur, i'm Strolling gonna go back down to jesus Ur... I'm gonna go to Scott no I'm, I'm looking here I'm gonna go back to herb Smith again
2: herb, yeah. I think he
1: has you know I mean at 3200 he has some upside the other one that yeah I mean Parham um, it right Bellinger if if something happens with Waller this week give me Bellinger at 2800.
0: If I something happens
1: get, with Waller, that's it's just like he Yeah, like he could stub his toe on a pillow and you know rip a <laughs> tendon, and be out four weeks. It's terrible Waller, classic. Like, <laughs> right? Like, like that's what I mean. When I draft him for season long, I expect twelve games. That's like my. Yeah, um, I'm disappointed in their the Raiders' usage of uh, Mare. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't really love how they used him. So I'm probably not going to go there which means he might crush um (laughs) hooper right like hooper got some targets um and uh, yeah i mean that's really at the the bottom for me yeah Uh, nothing else i really like a tight end
0: we got to do it dude it's the obligatory defense we got to talk about him. i know i know keep scrolling if you don't like defense no i'm just kidding The San Francisco 49ers up here at top, obviously the Cowboys against the uh, now Aaron Rodgers list jets. Um, These are two offenses that base or two defenses, sorry, that manhandled their opponents in week one on the flip side of that. It's going to be an interesting test for the giants uh, against Dallas who uh, kind of had their way uh, and looked very good on offense. And I think a lot of that was due to Brandon Cooks, being able to stretch the field, open up the middle of the field for the tight ends for um, for C. Mr. Land. Ferguson. Yes, sir. We, yeah, that was a name we, we skipped over, but uh, my yeah. highest-owned tight end in best ball, Mr. Ferguson. Old Fergie boy. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I like that call as well, but um, are you completely anti-never-will-pay-up-for-defense? No, DFF? I'm the, I'm, 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 fl- I'm a flip-flopper. Yeah, same.
1: At, at the right ownership, I will always pay up. So if you give me, you know, want to talk about another overstack, if the Niners start coming in low at that price, sign me up. Like if yeah. the Cowboys come in low against Zach Wilson, sign me up. So yeah. I'm a I'm a flip flopper. I I won't play the ch- I very I would say never, but I very rarely play the cheap chalk defense. I'm generally just yeah. trying to find one outside of there. So I tend to go top to bottom. So as I look there, like those are the two, if they, if any kind of decent ownership, I'll pay up. Yeah. Right. As we scroll down, we start seeing what, who do I see as we scroll through here? I see
0: probably commanders maybe again. Yeah. Um, uh, they, oh man. They're going to be, I think the commanders
1: are going to be super owned. I think people are going to go to the bucks after that opening week. Yeah. Um, especially how so, bad
0: Chicago looked in green Bay. Yeah. They just they didn't Bay.
1: look good. Yeah um the interesting one in the middle for me could be the colts um against okay. right against a rookie quarterback now i think stroud looked good uh for yeah. his first start like i was happy with his reads i liked his footwork um i like his arm talent uh, i i think that could be a like a middle of the pack where you could get a little different and The other one that's up top that I just I don't think anybody's going to play after what happened. I don't think anybody plays the Giants against. I I think they're they're going to be scared. They're going to say, "Hey, let's let's see what happens," right? Like I'm not sure how they're going to go after that Dallas game, and if we can get them pretty cheap. I mean, it's Arizona. They're starting Josh Dobbs. Like. That's an
0: interesting call because Wink Martindale defenses (laughs) are notorious for absolutely manhandling below average quarterbacks and offensive lines and then struggling with quarterbacks who know how to change a play at the line of scrimmage, know how to identify where the blitz is coming because Wink is a freaking madman. He's just sending the Mm -hmm. house. His blitz rates are always leading the league. So that's an interesting call. I like that. They could create some havoc. Um, One I'm kind of interested in here is Atlanta because we just got done talking about how Atlanta has all this new talent, all this new uh, athleticism on the defensive side of the ball. Um, The only problem is the matchup with green Bay is not ideal because the Packers still have a top 10 offensive line. We want to see like pressure in the backfield. So there might not be that. Um, But I'm interested if they're, they're not going to have ownership. So, kind of interested a little bit there but yeah like you said i like those top three uh or the, the three at the top we'll say 49ers cowboys and giants um and i think there's some interesting options not the commanders down here paying down the jets i mean there's gonna be no ownership on the jets uh considering what they just did in week one and what dallas just did in week one uh, but yeah that's an interesting one is me anything else you see here in defensive side of the ball
1: yeah. So that, I think that's a good example. So if we start seeing Dallas get a ton of ownership, if we start seeing right Dak and the CD and the, you know, Pollard, everybody climbing up, I love to pivot to a defense off of them. So that's yeah. one right now, all of a sudden you grab, you know, um, Garrett Wilson or Brees hall and the jets D to go against that. And then he, I think he can get uh, interesting and weird. Um
0: Yeah. What, I mean the other
1: one yeah
0: how quickly we yeah. forget that Dak threw 17 picks last year. Uh
1: Dak missed all those games, right? And right still had all those picks. Don't don't forget yeah. that. dak that wasn't from a full season, guys. Dak did that while missing it was either 5 or 6 games. I don't remember which one it was, but it was 5 or 6. Um What's so here's that? the one other defense I'll ask about real quick. Uh yeah, which how many did he miss total? 5, yeah. Yeah. No, he missed. Yeah, because the bye. So yeah, I missed. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. yeah, I missed five. So he he threw that many missing five games. Um, what about so if Kelsey's not back?
0: Okay. Okay, so okay.
1: If Kelsey's not back, what do you think about Jacksonville stopping their defense? You know, against Mahomes. I I get Mahomes is Superman, but we saw what that receiving core isn't again. I don't know why we get our hopes up. Like remember that offense had Tyree (laughs) kill, which whatever, but that I I think the Jacksonville defense could be interesting pivot too as well.
0: I think so too. You look at the Jaguars depth chart. They are the fastest like per player of any NFL defense. They are fast and they can close gaps I played some Jacksonville defense this past week. They were playing rookie quarterback, all that stuff uh, for all those reasons. They are really freaking fast and that creates problems. Um, so yeah, this could be one of those four sack Patrick Mahomes games, which almost never happens. Um, I like that call if they're, they're they're not going to be owned, uh, which is interesting. Uh, any parting shots, dude, thanks for coming on and joining us, man. Yeah, it's good to
1: see you. We haven't, uh, we got to text a little bit, haven't got to talk. All right. So, Let's over uh, let's do an overreact and a flag plant this week. So my over what I think the field will overreact on, um, I think the field is going to overreact on Cincinnati and forget that it's Joe Burrow, T Higgins, and Jamar Chase. And then my flag plant this week, uh, without any ownership, is I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm gonna go a Giants stack versus the Cards. Okay, okay.
0: I like it. I'll steal uh, for your. Oh, we're doing Flag Plant, not just Overreact. Uh, let's see. Probably you, over... give, you, you. You can save that for later in the week.
1: No, That's no, just my initial. Out. No, That's you can't one up me on my
0: own damn show, dude. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go. Yeah, I'll take Overreact to. Uh... I'm going to go over react to the Rams because they looked competent and say that they're not uh, primarily with their defense. Um, and I'll go flag plant on. Uh, ooh, something we didn't even talk about, but I'm going to flag plant this man right here. Keenan Allen ooh, that I like, situation.
1: I, I like that matchup. I mean, he, he had the targets there. They're, the, the options there i i i think he's gonna get used a lot and we, we saw yeah you could i like him.
0: Y- you could even overstack that because i think the the major talking points from the industry this week are going to be about the heavy rush rates and i think that knowing who kellen moore is that was probably more matchup dependent than it was an indication of what to expect from this offense uh moving forward so i think the field might uh overreact and i'll flag plant that offense i think the field is probably overreacting to one the low a dot i think um herbert had like a 4.1 a dot in this game uh or in week one and i'm gonna flag plant them so that's awesome man i like that that was cool exercise uh but that's gonna do it for us for today you know where to find us and we are gonna see you in them draft lobbies we'll see at the top of the leaderboards y'all this was first mover see ya